your purpose. Your blood is the rescue to the sin-stained life. Your blood is the healing for the hopeless and broken.
worship. You and Jesus. You and Jesus. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. And oh, my soul. Sing it with me if you know it. It rejoices, it joys my in what you hear. May it be a sweet, sweet sound. May it be a sweet. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Without a doubt, we'll know. Without a doubt, we'll know. Somebody give Him praise in this house. Somebody give Him praise in this house.
Hallelujah. Oh. Well, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Keep playing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Play. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Is there anyone in this house that did not get one of these? Anybody in the house, you did not get one of these, I need you to have it. It's very important. It's very important. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. Byron's coming around right now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah.
I have been struggling with, but keep playing, Sandra. I um, I think I'm just going to give us a portion of it. I don't know yet. I'm just trying to follow the lead of the Spirit. Uh, there's needs in the house today, and um, some desperate needs in the house today. People in need of miracles that are insurmountable. Uh, the odds are against them. And so today, I don't want to take up too much time because I want to give you time for your miracle. Is that okay? I want to give you time for your miracle. And I do believe that God is going to do something special in the house today. I just want to follow His leading and say what He wants me to say today, all right? All right, let's get right into the Word. I feel it. All right, your mountain knows your name. Let's put up our scripture, Chevy. Joshua chapter 14, verse 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. This is the story of Caleb. And I brought him back word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, and this is a recollection of what has happened uh, in the earlier days in Numbers. Uh, he's recalling it in Joshua. But my brethren went up with me, made the heart, excuse me, of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he has said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day. I am 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day. Hallelujah. As on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war. Both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain. Of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day. You heard in that day. How the Anakim which were giants were there. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him. And gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh as an inheritance. Today I want you to understand something. That faith is a powerful thing. I do not believe that we, we have underestimated the power of genuine faith. In this God that we serve. I struggle sometimes because while I want to have faith. I recognize that my flesh is full of doubt. And while I want to believe that God is able. If I'm honest with you. There are times that my flesh rises up in me. And I catch myself. That as I begin to pray a prayer of faith. That doubt is rising up. 
inside of me. It is a struggle that I feel. And if any of you have been there, I believe that you could agree that you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is that moment that you believe that God is able, but yet there's this flesh in us that wants to rise up and say, wait a minute, do you really believe that's possible? But today as you came in, and I hope you received one, but this is a little packet, and Jesus said something to us, and I'm going to show you in the end of my sermon today, and I don't know how long I'm going to be, I just want to obey the Spirit and say what, what the Lord's wanting me to say. But at the end, we will deal with this little packet where God tells us that if we have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, He said, you will speak to this mountain and it will be moved. Now, I want you to understand something about faith today. Faith is belief in God's ability to move the mountain that you face. That's what faith is. Faith is, I am not believing in what I'm able to do. Because today I understand my limitations. Today I understand, listen, every time I get ready to preach a sermon, right there in my little office, I kneel down every Sunday morning, every Wednesday, before I make my way to this sacred desk, I begin to pray on my knees and say, Father, without you, I am absolutely nothing. I have to have you. Because I understand that the ability that I have, it is not just my ability, it is God's ability that works through me in order to be able to minister to the people of God. So what faith says to us today, it is not the ability that we have to do things and there's some talented people in this room and there's some of you folks in here you're gifted to do things I'm not underestimating that but what I'm telling you is when it comes to the impossible being done we've got to step to the side and say you know what I'm not the spotlight today the spotlight is the God that moves mountains so so I am not trusting today in what I'm telling you in the ability that I possess but I am trusting in the ability that God possesses so we need to understand that so the mountain knows your name now, now, now I want you to grab this the mountain knows your name and the mountain has to be spoken to everybody's still with me so I said why do I have to speak to a mountain this is crazy because the mountain doesn't mind speaking to you I, oh God there's about three people in the house that just got what I just said. I speak to my mountain because my mountain speaks to me. My mountain tries to intimidate me. My mountain tries to make me doubt that through God I can do all things. And that is why the devil attacks your ability. And he'll say, you're not good enough, or you can't do this, or you can't do that. But when you learn what I'm telling you faith is, you can say, Satan, I know I'm not able to do it. But when God comes on the scene with God, all things are possible. So you might as well go down the road. You're talking to the wrong person today. The mountain is going to speak to you. The mountain to some of you in this house. Is saying you're not going to be healed this time. That's what the mountain's saying to you. Because I've heard the mountain. You've heard the mountain. And I'm very well aware of what the mountain has been saying. That is why 
I feel something in my spirit to speak this into us today. There is something that is saying, the mountain saying to somebody, you're not, you're not going to be able to, able to overcome this financial dilemma you're in. That inflation's kicking your butt. There's nothing that you can do about it. I know what the mountain is saying. There's a mountain that says it's always been this way. It's never going to change. I'll tell you to every pastor that may have may watched this, I want to say to every pastor, I've been in churches where... I've had members come to me and say, well, it's always been this way. It's never going to change. But I want to give you a word of encouragement. And I want to tell you that there's a God in heaven that can change it. I'm telling you. And He can do it overnight. So I say to every leader and every believer today, it is time to speak to the mountain. And quit just letting the mountain speak to you. So I understand. I understand this concept. That Jesus is saying, if I'll speak to my behavioral mountains, that's my habits, bad habits I possess. If I'll speak to my emotional, that's the mind battles that I face. If I will speak to that mountain, if I will speak to that financial mountain that is insurmountable in my life, if I will speak to that relational mountain, whether it's friendships, whether it's my spouse, whether it's relationship with my children, whatever it may be, if I will speak to these mountains and command them to be cast into the sea, it shall it shall be done. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that? Yeah. Right? Right. What? Now, that's an important question. Because it really hinges off of everything that I'm speaking to you today. Because if you don't believe that, then the mountain doesn't move. There is a reason that when Jesus went to do a miracle, and he went to the city that Lazarus was in, and Mary and Martha run out to meet him. And he's talking with them and he's saying, your brother's just sleeping and they don't understand. And Martha is questioning God, can you really do this? I mean, how is this even possible? And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but that man. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he looked at Martha and he said these words, Martha, do you believe this? And do you know what the words came out of her Yes, Lord, I believe. There is power in faith that this human finite mind cannot grasp. It cannot understand. But it is so important that you believe it. Because when you believe it, things start happening. You talk to the mountain. You talk to the mountain of fear. My gosh, anybody know what fear is in here today? Have you ever been through some struggles and the battle of the mind where Satan's telling you you're not going to make it or you're going to die, you're not going to live, you're not going to make it through this or that, your children are going to suffer? I mean, fear can overwhelm us. But when my heart is overwhelmed with fear, David said, wait a minute, mountain, I'm going to go to a rock that is higher than I am. I'm going to Jesus Christ. you got to talk to a mountain of worry in your life. Those things that keep you up at night. It is time for you to speak to them. And it's time for you to get some sleep in the name of Jesus. It is time for you to speak to your anxiety. It's time to do that because it's talked to you long enough. 
So the, just like the sheep know the shepherd's voice. I am telling somebody today that your mountain knows your voice. And your mountain will respond to it just like the sheep respond to the voice of the master. The Bible tells us Jesus said it numerous times. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Let me show you a scripture in Matthew. Look at that one real quick, Chevy. I want to see this. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him. They're blind. Everybody recognize that, right? They followed behind him shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. And then they went right into the house where he was staying and Jesus asked them, look at the question, do you believe I can make you see? What a simple question, right? I watched a video last night where Jesus goes to the guy at the pool of Bethesda and that's the exact question. Do you want to be healed? Jesus often asks us the question. And then he responds according to the answer that we give him. Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him. We do. So what did Jesus do? He touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. You have done something you don't even understand. You just spoke to a mountain of blindness and being unable to see. And because of your faith, I am about to move it. Blind men cannot see, but they can believe. They did not respond to what they saw. They responded to what they heard. Can I preach there for just a minute? Can I, have I got five minutes? Listen to me somebody. I want you to understand. There are times. Like the blind men. You're not going to be able to see it. Because there's. You just can't see it. You can't see that miracle. There's something in you that wants to believe. But you just can't see it happening. And every time you try to make a step forward, it seems like another mountain, another mountain, another trial. But God wanted me to tell you today, you've got to not worry about what you don't see. All you need to worry about is what you hear and the word of the Lord to you. I declare today that God said, speak and mountains are going to start moving. Do you believe this? I'm going I'm to I'm I'm leave you with this. I've got to go. There's three things, really quick, that will keep you from conquering your mountain, all right? Everybody got one of these, right? Everybody got one? Grab it. I want you to hold that thing. It's not that hard to hold. If you don't have one, you can get it. But There's three things. Number one, the mountain looks too big. And I'm going to go through these quick because I want to get to this last point. Sadly, but most likely... You will not be hindered or stopped by an outside force. Oftentimes it is an inside force. It is the people around you that will hinder you. When the 12 spies that he is recalling this story were chosen. They were chosen from within the people. They were not outsiders. Right? And so it was the insiders that actually came back with the message. I mean they had heard from the same leader. They were serving the same God. 
But I want to tell you there's sometimes that there's people that are sitting on the pew beside you. And if you're not careful, they will talk you right out of your victory. Do you hear what I'm telling you? There were 10 out of 12 spies that did just that to the people of God. They said the giants that we saw, they are too big. But thank God for two people. Out of a crowd of people that are saying the mountain's too big. The giants are too big. There's no way we can do it. But thank God for Joshua and guess who? The mountain claimer himself. Caleb, he came back and said, wait a minute. We are well able to do it. Let us go up at once and get it done. I want to tell you, I want to thank God that it doesn't matter if the devil can convince a multitude of us to not believe that our God can move back, even if he succeeds. And half of the congregation says it's impossible. I want to tell you that if I can just get two or three, because if two would touch and agree on anything, Joshua and Caleb, it shall be done. If two or three can pray and agree, then God's going to be in the midst and he's going to hear their prayer. You got to be careful of the insiders that will tell you the mountain's too big. Number two, we listen to the wrong voices sometimes. You can read the story of Korah and the 250 leaders. You got to watch out for the famous folks. You got to watch out for people in leadership and influence because sometimes Satan will up the le- up up to another level and go to a higher plan, and he'll begin to get people that you even trust in to say things that will cause doubt to come into your mind. Be careful of that. Even though we come under authority, we have to pray. We have to pray for discernment. Because just because I say it, it may not be what God is saying. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? So you can't listen to what everybody says. You test the word. You prove it. You pause and you pray. Because if God said it, God is going to do it. Let all men be liars. But God is truth. Refuse to listen to any voice that has a new revelation. You pull out your Bible and you see what God said. Because that's exactly what happened in the story I'm telling you today. They listened to the ten instead of listening to the two. They thought that they were leaders and they had their best interests at heart. They did not. Number three, the voice of the enemy says you can't do it. The devil gets really nervous when God's people start rising up in faith. Listen, we're on a fast right now. We're fasting for Bonnie. We're fasting for George. And people in our church that have been battling that nasty mountain called cancer. It's a nasty mountain. It's a big mountain. But we've been fasting. Satan gets nervous. Because when Satan sees that you're on the brink of a breakthrough in your life. And that you're about to enter in the one of God's promises. Let me tell you what the enemy does. This is what he did to our people. When God is about to bless them. When miracles are about to happen. People are about to be delivered from fear. From anxiety. From worry. God's about to do it. And all of a sudden this is what the enemy's voice said. The enemy's voice said you need to turn back and go to Egypt. Because Egypt is where the milk and honey is. Right? And the people turned around and they said, let us go back. The world is better, right? It's more fun in sin. It's more fun going back yonder. But what they had to understand is Egypt did not have any milk and honey. It was a lie and you know it's a lie. The only milk and honey is around the altar of God. It is only in the land of God. It is only in Canaan to the people of Israel. It is only to those that will receive the promises of God. So Satan will tell you everything he can to keep you from declaring the promises of God over your life. 
So as I hurry, 40 years have happened after the 10 spies doubt and disbelief. And Caleb says to Joshua, I want the place that caused the hindrance in my life, this mountain. Because this is the very mountain that they were standing at the day that they disbelieved God and they turned around and walked away and went and wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. He came back to that spot and said, I want the place of hindrance. Caleb is standing in the very place that ten spies, other spies, had failed to give a good report. They've given a bad report. Caleb thought to himself, I want this place, no other place. I want the place that caused the hindrance. I want the place where we turned back and it all went bad. I am going to take this place. This is a place of victory. And this place is called Kadesh Barnea. Did you know what Kadesh Barnea was? I want you to grab this. This is so good. When Israel is journeying through the wilderness, and they, even though they've been disobedient, Despite their unbelief, I want to I thank God for His grace. There's a man that needs his son healed and he comes to Jesus and he said, Jesus, would you heal my son? And Jesus asked him the same question he asked us. He says, do you believe? He says, Lord, I believe, but He'll help my unbelief. There's times that sometime our faith does waver. But thank God that in those moments He still sends blessings our way. And He overlooks our faults and our failures and He sees our needs. Thank you, Jesus. And so as they're wandering in disobedience and sin in the wilderness, they come up on a place that is called Kadesh Barnea. Do you know what it was? It was none other than a place that they could rest. It was known as an oasis. It was a place of refreshing. Aren't you glad for those places? Aren't you glad for Kadesh Barnea at times? I mean, there's been times the devil told me I wasn't saved. I was just a little fella. I just got my driver license. I'd drive to the church. I'd unlock the doors. They finally gave me a key, praise the Lord. Felt like a big boy. I'd go over there at 15 years old, and I'd get right at that spot. I would kneel down at it, and I'd begin to pray and say, You are a liar in the name of Jesus. This is exactly where I got saved at. Come on, somebody. It's a place of refreshing. Holy Spirit filled my life. I remember the day. I remember the place. I remember the time. I was in my father-in-law's church. matter of fact, when it happened, I remember it very clearly. I don't know the guy's name I was praying for, but, but I remember what he looked like. And I remember praying. I remember the Spirit came on me in a way I had never experienced. And I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Even began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving the utterance right there at the front of that altar. Every time I got thirsty and weary and I felt like Satan in that mountain kept speaking to me. Oh, you're nothing. You're this. You're that. I would take him back to Kadesh Barnea and I would say, wait a minute. I need refreshing. This is where it happened at. There's some of you. You may need to take the devil back. You may need to tell your mountain. You know your line in the name of Jesus. This is where it happened at. So here we are at Kadesh Barnea. It is a place of resting. But it was not meant for residing. It was a place to refresh. It was not meant to be a residence for God's people. That means that God's people were not intended to live there. I was studying my Bible just this week. And I found this. That many times we misunderstand what God is doing in our life. We mistake the place of refreshing. And we think it's a place of residing. But that's not the case. 
Sometimes God just refreshes us so that we can move on. He doesn't refresh us so we can just reside and live there. It is much like Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's an experience like he's never had. Here goes Jesus. Here goes Elijah. And all of a sudden, I mean, he's just sitting here on this mountain. And Moses comes. And he sees all of them glorified. The sun glorified before God. His face is shining brighter than it's ever shown before. What is the exact words of Peter? Lord, it is good for us to be here. I'll tell you what, we're going to build three tents. The only reason you build houses is why? Do you build houses to look at? You build houses to live in. He said, let's make three of them. We're going to make one for you. We're going to make one for Elijah. We'll make one for for, uh, the man of God, Moses, the prophet. And so we can sleep under the stars. We'll sleep on the ground, all right? But this is a moment we want to live on this mountain. We're going to stay here forever. But God was saying, wait a minute, Peter. This is not meant for you to stay. There is so much better for you. You haven't even scratched the surface. And as a result, we get premature results. As a result, when we reside at places that were only meant to refresh our souls, we end up settling for less than God's best. And we end up settling for the greatest assignment of our lives. It is much like the Apostle Peter. See, if you leave him on this mountain of refreshing, do you know what's going to happen? In Acts chapter 2, there's not going to be a Peter that's going to grab the mic and say, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Let me tell you people, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. 3,000 saved. Another time, 5,000 saved. If he stays on the mountain and just says, this is it, and lives there. We don't have a Peter that people are literally after Jesus leaves. He thought that was great, but God had so much better for him. They are lining up the streets just like they used to do for Jesus. Some of them have been camping for days. They knew and they heard that Peter was going to be en route. They heard he was going to be passing by. And many of them just stayed all night so they could get a front row seat. As he walked by, his shadow would just go over them. And when his shadow touched them, the Bible said people started being healed by the power of God Almighty. If you were to ask Peter that day, do you want to go live on that mountain? He would say, no, 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 no. God's got so much better for me. Why is it that we settle for less than what? Why do we do that? God has more for us to do. God has something bigger. There are times that God may refresh us from time to time. But please refuse to settle. Get up and do something great for God. Because you've got to be ready to move when He says move. Caleb waited for 40 years. Before God finally performed the miracle that he had been fighting for, for 40 years. I'll leave you with this today. Come to the piano, Sandra. I'm quitting. Are you? You already out? She's ready today. She thought I was going to preach like five minutes. I've already been 27 minutes. Oh, God. Do not turn back. The word of the Lord today to you is do not give up. Because Jesus is saying to you today, what you could not do in your own ability, I am going to enable you to do it. 
and I will give you that mountain. Listen to me. There are what I will call mountains of blessings that we enjoy worshiping on, right? Mountains are different. If, if we were to look to the Mount of Olives, I don't want that mountain to be thrown into the sea, right? That's where Jesus gave his greatest lessons that he ever, ever gave. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's it. Y'all know it in Matthew. I believe it's chapter 5. You're the salt of the earth. Salt, sauce, and savior. What good is it? Throw it out. Let it be trodden under man's feet. You're the light of the world. It all took place right here. That old Mount of Olives. Let's not give up that mountain. Even the Mount of Transfiguration. What a moment. And today, people still tour the Mount of Olives and the Mount of Transfiguration in the Holy Land tours because they go back and remember the greatness of God. Caleb's mountain. Let's not do away with it. I can hear Caleb saying, I love this place. I can get up early in the morning and I climb to the top of my mountain and I begin to worship God as the sun comes up and I see all the wilderness where we wandered around for years and years but I was that one guy, me and Joshua two of us, that said we can have the land Woo! And he just had a revival service every morning on top of his mountain at 85 years old his days of journeying were over it was time for him to reside it was time for him to dwell somewhere and he ends up dying on this mountain we don't want to get rid of those mountains but then there's mountains of obstacles that stand in our way. It is mountains of addictions that every time you try to break it, that mountain says to you, not going to happen, buddy. That mountain speaks to you. And he says, you've tried this before. You failed. You'll fail again. That's what the mountain I hear you. That's what the mountain is saying. To people today with sickness in your body, the mountain has said to you clearly that this is the end of you. To those today that are in pain, some of you from past relationships, some of you that are still in pain because of something somebody said to you years ago, you've never been able to let it go. Some of you are in pain because of losses that you've had in your family your husbands, your wives, your mamas, your daddies, your babies. And you're in pain today. And that mountain wants you to believe you've got to live in it, but I'm telling you today. Oh, I feel like, mm, I feel it. To every spirit of depression, that every time you think you're getting over it, and you're starting to feel better, and you go outside, woo, take a deep, fresh breath of air. And think today's going to be the day, boy. But then that old mountain rears its head up again. Anxiety, you thought you had abated. All of a sudden, whatever your trigger is, it triggers it. And once again, you find your blood pressure high and your heart's racing. All because of a mountain of anxiety that's come up in your life. And I'm telling you, the mountain has spoken to you. I am telling you that God said that I want you to speak to your mountain too. 
understand with me that the mountain of obstacle, when you speak to it, you will never be the same. And the mountain you speak to will lay lay flat at your feet forever. And it will forever know your name. And every time it tries to rise up again, it's going to say, Jimmy's on the way. Johnny's on the way. Lay down, mountain. Grab it. Grab it. Y'all got this? Go go to Matthew 17. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm finished. You don't have... Now, now let me give you a real quick two verses before this. They've tried to lay hands on a a kid that's demon-possessed. The kid basically laughs at them. They don't have the power. This is the disciples to cast out the demon. They come to Jesus and say, why in the world can't we do it? He said, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. But I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed. Somebody grabbing this today. You could say, you could, you could say to this mountain. Some of you haven't, but you could. You could say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it would move. Nothing or no thing would be what? Impossible. I packaged these yesterday. My wife and daughter helped me too. But I did about a hundred of these babies all by myself. I went to Walmart, got ready to buy some mustard seeds. And I bought like ten packs. I had no idea how many was in there. I shook it and the thing made a little rattling noise. I felt, I thought what was just a few seeds. I probably got 5,000 mustard seeds if y'all want any more. I'm debating whether I should just keep them, plant them all over my backyard and show I got faith or what to do with them. I don't know. But what I do know is I was packaging that. I was praying for some of you right downstairs. I said, God, isn't this amazing that if I can just muster up that much faith, and as I was looking at that, I put one in there, Johnny, one time, and I couldn't find it. I was like, some of you had to pull out your, your binoculars or your, you know, little reading things, whatever, the magnifying glass. Now, where's this thing at? What in the world? What preacher give me a bag with nothing in it for? But it's kind of fitting because sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes you got to dig down deep to be able to find it. Because everything around you says it is impossible. Every mountain around you is so insurmountable, the odds are stacked against you. Sometimes it's hard to find. And if you cover with your hands, you can't see it. Sometimes even if it ain't covered, you can't see it. But all of a sudden, you muster up enough prayer, enough faith. God says, if you can get that much. Do y'all see that today? Now, Scott, I hope that you don't get enough faith to go out there and move Six Mile Mountain because I like my mountain. All right? I, I'm not wanting you to do that. Six Mile Mountain's not that big. 
But it's bigger than the one that we had in Patrick that stood about this tall and they called it a mountain, so whatever. But if I were to take this seed and I was to stand physically and look at that mountain and look at my seed, look at that mountain and look at my seed, I'm going to tell you something. By size, I would be intimidated because we all know that the mountain is so much bigger than my seed. But that is how powerful faith is. That if I can just believe that much, it's a little bit. It's not a lot. And then I think to myself, Brian, there's times that other people can't find the faith. They're tired. They're weary. If we could just find that much faith, my friend, just that. We could speak to their mountain. And say, mountain, enough's enough. It is time for you to move. How many of you want to leave today with your mountain knowing your name? How many of you want to leave today with the mountain that you walked into this building today? It was so tall you could hardly see your way into the church door. Your faith felt weak, but when you leave this place, your mountain is going to become flat ground. It's going to lay at your feet. Is there anybody in the house today? Now, I took a lot of time to do this. My wife and my kids, and we just wrapped it all up. And I'm going to tell you something. By the time I got finished, my little fingers were like, Lord, have mercy. Some of them, I put four seeds in. They were so small, and I'm having to dig them out. I worked hard for this moment. But it's because I felt the Lord say something to me. Friday during the day. He said, I want you to tell them to come to the altar and bring their seed with them. Now, I know when pastors start talking about seed, they tell me, oh, man, we want some $100 bills on the altar. And if you feel like bringing a seed, you can throw it down. I'm not going to fuss. But it's not the kind of seed I'm talking about bringing today. I need you to bring this seed. And I want you to stand at this altar. And I want you to hold your seed. And I want you to begin to speak to your mountain. And I want you to look at that seed. And I want you to speak to your mountain. I want you to look at that seed. And I want you to realize that that's how powerful faith is. And if you can just get that much faith in you today, I promise you, your mountain is going to fall at your feet. Do you believe that today? Sing, play, do something. Right now. I want you to step out right now. Don't hesitate. Don't wait on your neighbor. Don't look around and say, well, it's brother so-and-so. I don't care what brother so-and-so is doing. I want you to bring your seed. And I just want you to give it to Jesus. Increase my faith, Lord. It may not be much, but this is my seed. You can take my situation. And you can lay it at your feet right now, Jesus.